Welcome to this podcast from The Well, a United Methodist Church in Rosemount, Minnesota. Thank you for taking the time to listen. For more information, please check us out at thewellmn.church. Grace and peace be with you. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Good morning and welcome to worship at the Well United Methodist Church in Rosemount. If you are joining us online, I hope that you feel welcomed and blessed. Please leave a comment down below so that we know that you are watching. Welcome, everyone. It's another beautiful day. My grandson asked me the other day, does this mean it's summer now? <laughs> That's a little bit optimistic, but it's getting really nice and warm, and we're enjoying that so much. Um, a lot of good things are happening. We have our annual meeting today after the second service. Um, I'm saying 11.45. That, that service probably that 11.45. And I realize that's a little bit awkward for this service. Do you go home and come back? Do you go to coffee and come back? Do you stay here the whole time? That's your choice, of course, and I understand that. And some of the people who normally come to this service have told me they're coming to the next service for that very reason. So I hope that you'll come back. There's a lot of important things we have to talk about as a congregation. Um, We're in a very important time in the history of this church, and I really want to put out a lot of information. I have a a fun announcement to make that I'm really excited about, so come back to that meeting. We hope that we'll see you there um, and doing church business. What else do we have in our announcements here? Wednesday night dinner, hmm. A simple, recipe, a simple menu this week, tomato soup, grilled cheese. That is one of my favorite meals. Hope that you'll join us for that. A lot of fun in those, in those dinners, thanks to the many volunteers who put them on. And after the dinner, we have activities for um, just about everybody, children and youth. Um, we have um, choir. We have pickleball. Um, that Bible study's not currently meeting. This says it's 6 o'clock. Other than that, I think we are accurate there. And of course, on Wednesday nights, we have a group that meets in the chapel called What Does It Mean to Be Affirming? And this congregation is an affirming church, welcoming all people. And what does that mean? And I am so pleased that this group has been modeling respectful conversation. People who agree, people who disagree are coming together and sharing their opinions, their points of view, their feelings, and they are heard respectfully and they are welcomed and accepted. And it's just a great exchange of ideas, and I'm so glad to see it happening. Um, As a framework, they are reading a book called Staying Awake by Pastor Tyler Sitt. Tyler is a pastor here in the Twin Cities, an amazing young man. Um, I'm kind of jealous. He's already got his own TED Talk, and he's published a book, and, you know, he's in his 20s, and what have I done? I'm here in my 60s, whatever. (laughs) Tyler's an amazing young man, and this is a great book uh, for them to be reading. Let's see, what else do we have happening? Ash Wednesday. Wow. Ash Wednesday is on Valentine's Day. I, I'm just getting so excited about this. I can't decide how, much, how we're going to celebrate it. I'm thinking ashes with glitter in it, so you can kind of say. <laughs> and instead of the shape of a cross on your forehead, I'm thinking about doing little hearts. <laughs> 
something for us to think about. I'm just having fun with it. And we don't have a dinner that night, and we will have youth activities, and by next week I'll know if, what other activities are happening on that night so that uh, all people can participate. So we hope that you'll come back for that. Uh, the Chili Fest is coming up, and I understand that there's a silent auction associated with that. And there's a table out there with instructions about how you can make a gift to the silent auction and a, a, a slip you can pick up. I don't know all the details. I'll know more by next Sunday. But if you are, have done that in the past, we would appreciate your generous donation there. Thank you, Paula. Is it time for call to worship? Okay. <laughs> Paula says it's time. Please rise as you are able. <laughs> The God of all creation makes us one in the flesh. Let us join hearts and voices in grace. In Jesus Christ, we are made one in the Spirit. Let us be united in truth through the same one Spirit. We practice our faith in many different ways. Yet that we, we confess, confess one Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Yet our calling is one because Christ is undivided. Rejoice, Rejoice people of God. God. The, the risen Christ, Christ is among us. Calling us together as his people, praise the Lord. The Holy Scriptures come to us today from Mark chapter 5. We have an interesting story, two stories today. Mark is going to tell us about Jesus healing two different people, both of them women. But instead of telling story one and then story two, which would make this easier. He tells half a story one. He interrupts it with story two, and then he goes back to number one. He sandwiches these stories together. And Mark does this in a couple of places in his gospel, and he's doing it for a reason. We've looked at his gospel. We saw how the disciples are a foil for us because they never know what's going on, but we do. <laughs> we can feel like we're a little bit you know, superior to the disciples because we get who Jesus is. And Mark's doing this for a reason, and to be honest, I'm not sure I know the reason. I'm not sure I can discern it. So we'll work on that together. Last week we saw Jesus had gone to the other side of Galilee to Gentile territory, and he met the man who was possessed by demons and living in a cemetery, and when Jesus heals him, he cast out the demons into the pigs on the field, and 2,000 pigs rushed down and fall in the ocean, or in the, in the sea, the lake. Wow, that story sent me down a rabbit hole, <laughs> trying to figure out what demons are like, why they go into pigs, why pigs would be drowned, all these things. And I've even gotten down to the 10th legion of the Roman army thinking maybe they had something to do with it, and you follow me down that, but I won't go again. And then the crowds come to Jesus, and Mark's big on talking about the crowds. Sometimes the crowds are so crowded around Jesus he can't really move around. He has to go out in a boat from the, from the shore so people don't crowd him too much so he can preach. And a crowd comes to him in garrison, and the crowd asks him to leave. <laughs> Please get out of here, probably because he just killed 2,000 of their pigs. I don't know. <laughs> so he gets in the boat, and he goes back to the other side to Capernaum. And we have these stories today. Jesus crossed the lake again, and on the other side, a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Jairus, one of the synagogue's leaders, came forward. 
And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Now, this, there's a lot of characters in today's stories, and I don't know about you, when I read scriptures, I try, I, sometimes I identify with one of them. Which one do I feel like I'm identifying with? And I identify with this guy. He is the leader of a synagogue. In one of the translations, it says the president of the synagogue. I don't know if they have presidents, but he's the high up in the synagogue. He's an important person in town. He's probably wealthy. He's well-known. He's very respected if he has this position. And he comes running to Jesus and falls down at his feet, which is not like what a leader of the synagogue would do. He's humbling himself before this rabbi asking for help, pleading with him. My daughter's about to die. Please come and place your hands on her so she can be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. That's what I identify with. I love my children so much, even now that they're adults. I would do anything for my children. Maybe you feel the same way. I would do anything for my grandchildren. Maybe you have that feeling too. In fact, the fears, the nightmares I have at night when I'm sleeping is that something bad is going to happen to one of them. And if something bad was happening, I would do everything in my power to help them. Even if it meant running up to this guy and kneeling and asking, begging for help. So Jesus went with him, and we don't hear any more from Jairus, but that's really unfortunate because the rest of the story is like, I want to know what Jairus is thinking, because it gets complicated. A swarm of people were following Jesus, crowding in on him. Well, there's that big crowd again, right? A woman was there who had been bleeding for 12 years. She'd suffered a lot under the care of many doctors. And had spent everything she had without getting any better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Maybe you identify with this woman. She's desperate. She's looking for help. It doesn't tell us. It says she spent all she had on medicine that didn't work. On doctors that couldn't help her. I kind of picture someone who was maybe well off and now is broke. A woman who might have some standing in society, but now she cannot. Because in Jewish culture, a woman who's menstruating is considered unclean. Not sinful, but unclean and has to be separate from everyone else. So she can't really go out in crowds where people know her. Maybe that's why she sneaks up on Jesus. Maybe this guy will help me. Because she had heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothes. She was thinking, if I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Her bleeding stopped immediately, and she sensed in her body that her illness had been healed. What great news. What a simple gesture. Reaching out to touch Jesus' clothes. Not even touching Jesus, if I can just touch his garment. Her faith tells her, that'll be enough. Then I'll be healed. And sure enough, it seems to work. At that very moment, Jesus recognized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? 
His disciples said to him, Don't you see the crowd pressing against you? Yet you asked who touched me. But Jesus looked around carefully to see who had done it. I've got a good illustration of this. Let's go to our first slide today. Laura, if you can jump around. Thank you. My favorite biblical illustrator is a French artist named Tissot, T-I-S-S-O-T. We've seen a lot of his work before. And this is his painting of this story. Now, one of the things I noticed when I look at this is that the architecture is consistent with the old architecture of Israel. And that's because Tissot, like, unlike many other illustrators, had actually gone to the Mideast. And his paintings have a sense of realism about them. And I can't tell what's going on, can you? And that's the whole point. There's a crowd. People all around him. What's going on? The next slide, I'll just do a close-up. There she is, reaching out just to touch him. I love this image in the crowd. All these people, you can't even tell who's who. Maybe you can figure out who Jesus is. But she's there, kind of on the side, touching this garment. There's a lot of paintings of this moment. I couldn't find many of them that are in public domain, so we didn't look at them. But um, this one comes up. I've seen this one in person. This is in the catacombs in Rome. If you get to Rome, I really recommend you go to the catacombs. Um, this painting would have been painted in the 300s. It's a lot of Christian art, early, early Christian art in the catacombs. Maybe some Sunday I'll do a, a whole series on this. Uh, what's the most common Bible story in the catacombs that they paint over and over again? You can take a lot of guesses. You're not going to get it. It's Jonah. They talk about Jonah all the time. That's, that's interesting. I won't go into that, but here we go. Here's Jesus and this woman touching him. There's no crowd around her, but she's being healed. This great image, 1,700 years old, and they have special effects involved. Next slide. There it is. See that little line? <laughs> That's the equivalent of, you know, the special effects we have today. There's a line between her finger and Jesus' cloak. The power is going out. The woman, full of fear and trembling, came forward. Knowing what had happened to her, she fell down in front of Jesus. Oh, that's the second person to fall down in front of Jesus in this story, isn't it? He fell down in front of Jesus and told him the whole truth. He responded, daughter, which is interesting, like family, right? Your faith has healed you. Go in peace, healed of your disease. What made her better? Was it magic? It's faith. Your faith has healed you. Not touching my garment. Your faith has healed you. Go forth in what? Peace. I love it when Jesus tells people to have peace, when the angels come and appear before scared people and tell them to have peace. Because I'm personally always looking for peace. And here's this simple commandment. Peace to you. Now, here's the part of the story they don't tell that I really want to know about. What's Jairus doing? His poor daughter is about to die. Come on, come on, let's go, let's go. Let's, you know, a little faster, a little faster. And he stops because somebody touched his clothes. Oh, jeez. 
Come on, come on. And he has a conversation with this woman. Come on, come on, let's go. It doesn't tell us that. We're kind of left to wonder, what is his response? That would have been my response. I would have been just like, come on, come on, let's go. Yeah, 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 she's healed, let's go, come on. Or maybe he's so magnanimous. Maybe he's so filled with faith and love for other people that he says, oh, I'm glad this woman was healed. Now we can go. I don't know. His response isn't recorded, but to me, it's interesting. What would he have done? Okay, so finally, story two is over. We can continue back with story one. While Jesus was still speaking with her, messengers came from the synagogue leader's house, saying to Jairus, your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher any longer? May I never hear these words. May this never happen to me. May my children outlive me. To hear that one of my children has died, I just don't know how I'd respond. I just don't know how I would cope. And we don't know what Jairus does. Is he mad? Come on, Jesus, it's your fault. You could have run. Is he accepting? Is he confused? Is he in shock? We don't know. I have to speculate. Jesus overheard the report and said to the synagogue leader, Don't be afraid, just keep trusting. In other translations, it says, Just have faith. He didn't allow anyone to follow them except Peter, James, John, James' brother. So now he separates himself from the crowd and tells him, don't come with me. He's got this little handful. They went to the synagogue's leader house and he saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. That's an understandable reaction of family when someone they love has died. But it's probably in the first century that this wealthy man has professional mourners outside his house sort of announcing this terrible thing that's happened by wailing and crying themselves, even though they're not related. Maybe that's what's happening. We don't know for sure. He went in and said to them, what's all this commotion and crying about? The child isn't dead. She's only sleeping. They laughed at him. I would not be laughing. I'd be angry. They laughed. I, don't, I, I wish we were here. I wish we knew more about what they were thinking and doing. Taking the child's parents and his disciples with him, he went into the room where the child was. Taking her hand, he said to her, Talithi kum. Now that's Aramaic. Very interesting. The gospel's written in Greek, but Jesus spoke Aramaic, a, a form of Hebrew, kind of a common form. And Mark's not writing to other Jewish people. He's writing to Greeks. But he says, i got to put these words in here, talithikum. They're important to Mark. I'm not sure why, but he's got them in the original language. Talithikum, which means young woman, get up. Suddenly the young woman got up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. Where did that number 12 come in before? Yeah, the first woman has been sick for 12 years. This girl's 12 years old. Is there a connection? I don't know. They were shocked. 
He gave them strict orders that no one should know what had happened. Here's back to that messianic secret in Mark. Don't tell anybody. Remember the one person he said, go tell everybody when he was healing them? Was the guy on the other side of the lake that was healed of those diseases with the pig story. Go tell everybody. But now he's back in the Jewish territory and don't tell anyone what we have done. And he told them to give her something to eat. That's interesting. After healing, Jesus wants to see people fed. When Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law, she gets up and starts feeding people. (laughs) Because that's her job, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) What are we going to make of the story? Who do you identify with? What do the two stories have to do with each other? I've got some more slides here. Let's take a look. I like this one a lot from the 1800s. An artist named Edward Bennington. This is the, the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. So when I next go there, I've got to go see this because I really like it. The woman's got a little laurel around her head. And there's Jairus to the right, looking a little older than I picture him, but amazed at this miracle that's happened. Next. Now, this one I don't particularly like. It's a very old painting. But what does it look like? Where, what is that woman in? It's, it's almost like she's in a casket, isn't it? Like she's like, like Lazarus in the graveyard or something. I'm not quite sure what this all is. She looks older than 12, but anyway, Jesus is healing her in this story. Notice the background has nothing to do with architecture in the Mideast. Probably looks like with the place where it was painted. <clears throat> and next. I have a bunch this week. There is a German Bible from the 1400s that's very important in the German language. And it's illustrated with beautiful drawings. This is one of the pages of the Bible. And I know you can't see the detail here. But it's these two stories. The next slide shows you the first scene. And Jairus has come to plead with Jesus. But look, Jesus is in purple there, and behind him is that woman in white. She's touching his garment. So this artist has both stories happening at the same time. I kind of like that. They've captured something here in the story. And there's two panels after this. Let's look at those. On the left, I, I think, is outside the house, and I suspect these are the people wailing. Panel on the right shows this woman being healed. I didn't do a close-up of this, but can you see her detail? She looks like she's about four or five. The artist kind of missed this one. There are four people with golden globes around their head. What's that? They're the the saints. They've got the halos. Why don't the other people have them? They're not the saints. (laughs) They're just the people in the story. I I like this, this... this understanding that the disciples and Jesus were somehow separate from everyone else. They were the holy ones. They were the saints. They had the halos and everybody else didn't. I don't know what to think of that theology. So what do we make of this story? I don't know. I'll tell you what I make of it. It's Jesus' command to Jairus that I come back to. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. That's for me. 
Don't be afraid. Just have faith. The last painting I have, I really kind of liked in this one. There's this beautiful 12-year-old girl, Jesus giving her kiss on the forehead. There's an intimacy about this act of healing. Jesus right there, caring and loving. I need that. I need to know Jesus is this close. I need to know he cares about me that much. I need to be the one who has peace and just keeps trusting. Grace to you and peace from God who is our Father, our Lord and our Savior, who is Jesus the Christ. Amen. We're so blessed when we come together and invite the communion volunteers to come up. And once a month we get to celebrate this great sacrament. This literal, this literal vision, this literal act, physical act of God's presence in our life. We come together and we are comforted when we hear the words of Holy Communion. Come to the Lord's table, all you who love him. Come to the Lord's table, confess your sin. Come to the Lord's table and be at peace. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to praise you, Lord. It is a right and good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Holy Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. From the rising of the sun to its setting, your name is praised among all peoples. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to the glory of your name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed Lord, in remembrance of all that you have done to save us, we offer ourselves to you in praise and in thanksgiving. As a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he given thanks, he broke it. And he, said to, and he said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant to my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink and eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. 
The gifts of God have been prepared for the people of God. All are welcome as you come forward to receive Holy Communion. God has created all of us different for a reason. Let us look for what the other person in our path has to offer the world. Let us honor and respect who they are, a beloved child of God. Amen.